second scripture reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1590-1590. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that, was, that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Thus ends our reading of God's unchanging word. May all who hear it find faith in this child that was born in the city of David. During this time of Advent, we have been taking a look at some of the words that are linked to the Christmas season. And last week, we, we began with the word hope. And we saw that, that, that the hope that Mary had was placed in this child that was growing in her womb. God was fulfilling his promise to all humanity through this little baby that, that Mary was carrying. And we saw, too, that this, this hope of hers, it taught us four things. First, that, that hope leads to worship of God. Second, that hope is for the humble in heart. Third, hope it remembers all the great things that the Lord has done. And finally, hope looks to Jesus. But there is a, another thing, a fifth thing that we can learn about hope, and it is this. Hope will also lead to faith. Look at, look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Did you catch that? Faith is being sure of what we hope for. In our society today, people tend to, to, to view faith as a grasping of the wind, that it's just myths and fairy tales. But that's not how the Bible defines faith. Faith is, is not, not blind, rather it is a trust in things we have certainty in. When, when we looked at Mary's song last week, we noticed that, that, that hope remembers, well, faith remembers as well. Mary, she turned to the, to the Word of God and remembered all the different times that God had come through for His people. You see, when we read God's word, there is a, a, a certainty that we can have. But Mary was given just a little bit more, wasn't she? For, for a new word had come to this woman as, as she received a message from the angel of the Lord. That even though she was a virgin, she, she would conceive a child. 
and that that child would be the promised Messiah. You see, Mary, she wasn't believing in some myth, for she had studied God's word, and she had seen the angel of the Lord with her own eyes. And she knew that even though she had never been with a man, she was somehow pregnant. These were solid things that, that Mary could grasp onto. Her, her, her faith was tangible. It wasn't some fairy tale. She saw the promises of God being fulfilled before her very eyes. And this is how you as, as Christians are called to view the Christmas season through eyes of confident faith. This story of the birth of our Lord is not some fable. Rather, it is grounded in historical facts. These things that we read in the Gospel of Luke. Did I just unplug that? I think so. Oh, oh well. <laughs> These things that we read in the Gospel of Luke, they, they really did happen. And you can have certainty that, that in, in the birth of Jesus, that it was a historical act where God fulfilled His promise. But where does such faith lead us? True faith doesn't remain idle. For faith is always pointing in a direction. And it was the faith of, of Mary that led her on a journey of trust through some of the most trying of circumstances. And this is what we see in our passage for today. In, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we, we learn three things about what it means to have genuine faith. First, we learn that it is God who, who guides those who have genuine faith. Second, we see that genuine faith will always follow that leading from God. And finally, we see that genuine faith looks only upon Jesus Christ. Let's look at our first lesson, that it is God who guides us in our faith. Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while, while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. In the year 27 BC, the, the Roman Senate conferred the, the lofty name of Caesar Augustus upon a man known as Octavian. Augustus means exalted one. And it was this exalted one who, who had initiated the census in order to maintain control over his conquered lands. You see, the, the, what the Romans would do is they would, they would take a tally of all the populations of, of the people that they ruled in order to make sure that they were getting enough taxes in order to support their armies and, and all the government officials. And so what you need to understand is that, that Rome was, was only great because it relied upon the wealth of its occupied nations. And Caesar Augustus, he, he knew this all too well. But what this exalted one didn't know was that it was God himself who had desired this census. In his great 
providence, he used the politics of men to set in motion his plan that had been established long before Caesar Augustus took his first breath. Look with me at Micah 2 verse, or Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. You see, both Joseph and Mary were from the lineage of King David. And Bethlehem was the birthplace of that king. Therefore, they, in order to follow the regulations of this census, this couple that was with child would need to travel to that sleepy little town at the precise time that our Lord would be born. God was guiding them on this journey of faith in fulfillment to his own word. Part of having faith in God means that you are trusting him when things in your own life are out of your control. Suppose you have a boss that decides to transfer you to another location. You have no choice but to move. It's out of your hands. Maybe you have a loved one that, that's developed cancer and has been given a year to live. Again, this is out of your hands. Perhaps you, you have a child that is born too early and doesn't make it. These things are out of your hands. There are, there are many things that we can't control in our lives. And yet God in His providence not only sees all of it, but He is the one that is actually pulling the strings. And you, as a Christian, are called to trust in Him through all of it. You are called to have faith. For Joseph and, and Mary, this meant that they had to, had to take that arduous journey that was ill-timed. Look, look at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Sometimes the, the journey we find ourselves on is not the journey that we would choose for ourselves. And this trek from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, it was approximately 100 miles long. At a fast pace, it could be traveled within three to four days. But for, for Mary, who, who by this time was very pregnant, it most likely would have taken around eight to ten days for them to travel. What you have to understand is that, that travel was, was not particularly convenient back then. It's, it's not like they could just fill up the, the tank and just go. There was a lot of preparation beforehand and a lot of toil along the way. And for a pregnant woman, it was even worse. I remember when uh, Kim was six months pregnant with Bear and we were traveling from Thailand to the U.S. And, and of course... Our journey was by plane and much more convenient. But the whole trip from door to door took, a, took probably over 30 hours. And there was a lot of standing in lines, trying to get through security, trying to get through immigration. There was a lot of walking from one terminal to the next. And the whole time, Kim, all she wanted to do was just sit down and take a rest. 
Of course, when she could take that rest, she was stuck in this tiny little airplane seat being squished. And then there's the food issue. Trying to eat for two and only being offered airplane food meant that she was a starving gal. <laughs> Travel for someone who is pregnant, even today, is not convenient. And, and not to downplay the suffering that my wife went through, but now compare her experience to the journey that Mary had to take. Imagine if you were her. You would have been closer to nine months pregnant, due to give birth at any time. And yet you were required to make this hundred mile journey, either by foot or by riding on a donkey. And so for, for eight days, you're, you're pushing your body to its limits, dealing with pain and discomfort. And oh, by the way, you would have to face with the elements as well. Maybe the weather became cold. Maybe it was extremely hot. Perhaps it rained. This was the journey that God had brought Mary through, and all because it was prophesied in the book of Micah. It was to be a sign for others so that they might believe. It wasn't necessarily for Mary's benefit, but for people like the Magi in the East who would, who, who would come to worship this child. And yet Mary had to trust in God's goodness. She had to have faith that God knew what he was doing. The path of a Christian is never easy. And, and in his providence, God will lead you on a journey that will bring you through hardship and suffering. And yet God is calling you to trust in him no matter where he takes you. For genuine faith will always follow that leading from God no matter how hard it gets. But genuine faith also looks to an object. Belief always points towards something. Look at, look at verse 6. While they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, because of this census, there would have been a great number that would have made this journey to Bethlehem at this time. And so, living space in a small town like that would have been very limited. Bethlehem had a population of roughly a thousand people. It wasn't a destination for travelers. And with Mary being pregnant and having, having to travel at a slower pace, she most likely would have arrived later than most. This is why there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the, the Greek word that we see translated as inn in our Bibles is kataluma. It, it literally means uh, uh, upper room or guest room. We see the same word being in, used in Luke 22 when Jesus tells his disciples to, to, to go to the guest room of a house in order to prepare for the Passover meal. In fact, later, later in his gospel, when, when he wants to describe an inn, Luke uses a, a different word altogether. And so how, the, how this word here ever got translated as end is in it's beyond me. But it has become such a tradition that, that many of the translators today, they're, they're afraid to change it. But with Bethlehem being such a small town, it's, it's highly unlikely that there were any inns there to begin with. They didn't really have the economy to support it. 
What, what was probably taking place here was that Mary and Joseph were staying with some relatives that lived in Bethlehem. And because of the census, and because of the many travelers, the upper room, or the guest room, where they would have normally stayed, would have already been full. And so instead, Joseph and Mary would have had to stay downstairs. <coughs> if you look at this picture here, if you can put that up, there you go. What you see there is, is how a typical Judean house at that time would have been constructed. It would have consisted of, a, of an area near the door with a dirt floor. And this is where the, the animals slept. At night, they, they were kept inside so that, that they wouldn't be stolen or preyed upon. And this is why there would have been a manger as well, in order to provide food and water for these animals. Now, a typical family, uh, they would have slept in a, in a slightly raised portion on that ground floor, just set a little further back from the door. That being said, some of the houses in, in Bethlehem, uh, they were actually built off of caves. And these caves, they would have been located in the back of the house. And so sometimes these caves, they were used to keep the beasts of burden, such as oxen and donkey, donkeys. And so the, the most likely setting of the birth of Jesus would have been on the ground floor uh, of a house of one of Joseph's relatives. Sorry if I just ruined the magic of Christmas for you, but... Uh... But this idea that this pregnant couple was, was cast out and made to stay the night in a stable, is, it's just not accurate. But even still, we, we see the, the lowly means into which our king was born. Christ came into this world in a place where animals were kept, in a simple peasant's house in Bethlehem. And he was, he was laid in a, in a manger, a humble bed, for this king of glory. And this speaks to our, to our last point. That genuine faith on, looks only upon Jesus. Mary was promised to be the mother of the Messiah. The one who would be called the son of the Most High. The one who would be given the throne over the house of David. The one who would reign over the house of Jacob. The one whose kingdom would never end. This boy... This one she gave birth to was the object of her faith. Now I have to imagine that, that giving birth next to a bunch of animals is not what she had in mind. That, that laying her newborn child into a feeding trough for beasts of burden, that was not in the plans. And yet this is where her faith led her to. To a king living in humble circumstances. To a Messiah assuming the role of a peasant. And yet this Lord of Lords said he came to came not to be served, but to serve. It was in his lowliness that he brought his salvation. You see, Jesus, he, he's not the type of king that we would choose for ourselves. And the kingdom that he brings is not the kind of kingdom that is appealing to our natural eyes. We want, to, want a leader who exudes worldly authority. Someone like Caesar Augustus. A man of action. One who seizes power and doesn't let go. We tend to think that a, that a man like this can solve all of our problems. 
And yet all too often, we are blind to our greatest need. We ignore the, the real issue that we all face. For each one of us has a sin problem. We have defied our Creator, and as a, as a result, we have spoiled the world around us. Jesus, this lowly King that, that comes to you in a manger, is the solution to your greatest problem. For in His birth, we see a foreshadow of His death. Just as He came into this world in humble circumstances, it was in His humility at the cross that He rescued you from your sins. Dear friends, genuine faith looks only to Jesus. It looks, to, looks only to the one who can answer your greatest need. It looks only to the one who, who, who died for your sins. It looks to that king that you least expected. To that infant lying in a manger. Genuine faith looks to Jesus. The call for us is to turn. Turn in faith. Turn away from our sins. Turn away from our unbelief. And to trust in Him, this King of kings. This one who came humbly for you. Let us pray. Father, we confess that all too often we, we lack trust in you. We look to the, the things of this world as a solution to our problems. And yet those things, they, they, they don't help. We need you. We need you to help us to train our eyes to look to your Son. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us as, as we journey through this life. And when hardship comes, we ask that, that that faith would still be there. That we would trust in you through all of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.